0: Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, or know anything about my background, you know that I have changed roles and employers a few times over the course of my 20 plus years in HR. And when I tell people that until I became a professor, I had never worked five years or longer at any one place... They would often raise an eyebrow with a, there must be something wrong with you kind of look. But I generally don't give those kind of things much time and space because I know that each time I have made a move, it was for a good reason and in the best interests of my career or my family or both. Now, I also have a personality that makes me more comfortable with change and I'm a bit of a risk taker. So for other people, the thought of changing roles or organizations might be terrifying. I know people who have worked for the same employer for decades, and although they have a desire for something more, they just can't seem to take the steps needed to make the move. They might apply for a new job here and there if something amazing comes up. But when they don't get that one job they applied for, they rationalize that No one wants them or nobody else will take them, and they're better off staying where they are. And maybe that comes from a fear of rejection, and maybe it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Either way, their fear of the new or the value they place on security and the devil they know overrides any desire to take action, and so they stay. And sometimes staying is the right and best decision for all those concerned. And that's a good thing, a really good thing. I am definitely not a fan of change for the sake of change. But there are a few situations where making a career move is exactly what that person needs, both for their career and their overall health and life satisfaction. In this episode... I want to explore some of the signs that might tell you it's time for you to make a career move, either to a new role within your organization or a new organization altogether. Because honestly, we only get so many trips around the sun and we spend far too much time at work for it to not be fulfilling and satisfying. So what are you waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. Okay, before we get into some of the things to consider when making this decision, or deciding if you have to make this decision, I want to clear something up right out of the gate. You have chosen a career path that is full of challenges so expecting to have work days and weeks without difficult people changing priorities and difficult problems to solve is completely unrealistic. I'm just going to level with you on that. Changing jobs or organizations but remaining in the HR field is probably not going to address your needs. I'm sorry, but if that is what's bugging you about your role, you might be on the wrong career path. I actually talk about this in episode 23, which might be helpful to those of you that are still on the fence about HR. And no judgment if you change course. I know that this profession is not for everyone. And as I already said, you spend way too much time at work to be unhappy doing it year after year and day after day. Now, to those of you that have decided on HR as a career path, or at least your career path right now, let's talk about how you might know that it's time to make a move. I have four main sort of scenarios that might be signs that some new type of action is required in order for you to have career satisfaction. The first one might be the most obvious, but I think it's often discounted as a symptom of something other than career dissatisfaction, and that is dreading getting up in the morning and going to work. And by dreading, I mean dreading. Not just your usual, I stayed up too late and now I'm a little tired kind of dreading, but actually hating the thought of getting ready to go to work. This might manifest as crankiness towards your family as you drag yourself out of bed and through your morning routine. Or perhaps you're more of a road rage kind of dreader, where you dread going to work so much that you leave late every day and then you are rushed and blaming everyone else on your path for your tardiness. This might also manifest as a type of anxiety. You might feel unwell, not able to eat, and physically ill at the thought of entering your workplace. This could be a result of some other reasons I will talk about, but regardless of why you feel this way about going to work, it's not good. Anxiety can be debilitating, and regardless of whether it's the result of work itself, It is not something to be ignored. Now, I want to distinguish between the feelings of dread and nervous excitement, or the difference between anxiety and nervous excitement. When we're nervous about starting a new project, or attending an important meeting, or making a key presentation to stakeholders, we're feeling something very different than dread and anxiety. That kind of nervous excitement often gives you an edge when you are preparing for something big. And that isn't a sign that you need to leave your organization, role, or career. It's just a sign that you're nervous about something. And that's really okay. Lots of times we perform better, we over-prepare when we're nervous. And once that event or presentation or meeting is over those feelings go away. Now, when we talk about anxiety, that's something very different. Often people with anxiety experience things like excessive worrying thoughts, sleep problems, nervous twitching or restlessness. They might be very fatigued or irritable. And there are lots of different types of anxiety and symptoms. And I have to say, I'm not a mental health expert, nor am I a physician. My best advice on this is that if you're dreading getting up in the morning and you feel a sense of extreme overwhelm, fear, and anxiousness, it's time to reach out to a health professional or a counselor to get some guidance check out any resources your employer may have through their EAP program or wellness program, or contact any local organizations that can assist you. There are also some great articles about anxiety on the Anxiety Canada website, and I'll share links to all of these in the show notes for this episode. And you can find them at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash episode dash 38. The most important step if you feel that you are dreading going to work for reasons that might be beyond the work itself, please reach out and get some help. Now, if you're dreading it and you don't feel that it is for reasons outside of work or that you have symptoms of anxiety or any other mental well-being concern, it could be that you're just ready for a different role or organization. I want you to take a few minutes and think about why you actually dread getting up. Is it because you don't want to leave your new puppy or your baby at home? Or is it something to do with your work? Perhaps your workload is too heavy for one person, but you love the work and the people. Okay, maybe you don't need to leave the organization or role, but maybe you need to set some boundaries with your employer or ask for some changes. Could you possibly be communicating your needs more clearly? If you have and nothing is changing, then you might wanna start looking somewhere else. Now think about the work itself. Is the work you do satisfying, challenging, interesting? Is it the organization? If you feel like you don't have enough challenge, do you see an opportunity to take on more? If you do, have your interests been expressed to your boss or your leader? If not, what's holding you back? Maybe that's your first move before you decide if you need to move on. What I'm saying with this is that even if you dread going to work, and it's more than nerves and it's not anxiety, you should really be challenging yourself on why you're feeling the way you feel before you take a bold step. If you can narrow down what is causing you the dissatisfaction and you can find a way to resolve that, usually by communicating it with someone who can do something about it, then your solution might not require you to pack up your desk. But if you've narrowed down the reasons you dread getting up in the morning and you've truly done everything you can to address it within your role in your workplace, then it might be the right time to dust off your resume and refresh your network. Okay, another sign that you might be ready for the next move is when you don't see a path forward or you've been told point blank that there is limited or no opportunity for you to advance. Now this sign assumes that you wanna take your career beyond your current role or pay band, and not everyone does, and that's totally okay. But for those of you that are looking to advance your career and assume more responsibility, part of effective career management is to be watching and somewhat planning that next move or learning opportunity. So does that exist within your current organization? If you're in a small company or nonprofit with a small HR function, this may not be a possibility, but that doesn't necessarily mean a more advanced HR role doesn't exist. Perhaps your organization is on a growth trajectory and you're consistently taking on more advanced HR responsibilities, and you can see the need for more bench strength. This could be a time to make a business case that your role should be elevated, and a more junior role created to support you. This is how businesses grow other departments, and it's certainly how most HR functions expand. Although making a business case to create a role is not what I'm here to talk to you about, there are a few things to keep in mind if you decide to make this pitch. The first thing is to make sure you have numbers to back up why you're asking and to use the business strategy if there is one, and use it to support your plan. In a lot of organizations I've worked, business plans or business cases were the way to get things done. So do some research about what goes into a good business case and make sure you ask for the stars so you have some room to negotiate. Maybe what you bring forward is a request for a permanent full-time position to support you but your owner or leader says, yeah, not yet. Okay, that's fine. Propose that you do it on a one-year trial basis. And if you can show improved results, then ask them to consider making it full-time. If you can show cost savings and efficiencies by reducing turnover, time to hire, or lost time, or whatever metric they value, they will have a hard time saying no. That actually sounds like a fun challenge. Okay, now going back to my point, if you've looked at your business, their strategy, or noticed that there isn't one, and your department, and you really don't see any opportunities in the near future, and your leader or boss is telling you the same, it might be time to move on. But before you do, make sure you have the conversation with them. If you love the organization that you work for and the people you work with, and you're generally happy with your compensation, but just need a bigger challenge, it's definitely worth talking to someone first. Finding great organizations with great people that treat their employees well is not always the easiest thing to do. So if you already have that, see if you can make it work there. I was in this place one time, and so I floated the idea of a different role to my leader during my annual performance review. We talked about it, and I agreed to put together a role description and some thoughts on how it could work within the organization. My performance was very good, and we had a good relationship, so it felt worthwhile because I didn't really want to leave but I needed something more challenging and in a different area of HR that I was more passionate about. Now, in the end, my boss couldn't see a way to make it happen with the existing staff. So I decided I needed to start looking for something else. It was a really hard decision because I was very happy in my workplace, I loved my team and the managers I worked with, but I also needed to take care of myself and my own career. The good thing was by doing this, I didn't leave wondering if I could have made something happen there. I knew that it wasn't a possibility and that I had exhausted all my options. So I left with a clean conscience and felt like I made the choice for the right reasons. The best part was that when I got the no and told myself I needed to attract something new, I got a job posting on my computer screen within three weeks. It came through a LinkedIn job ad. I hadn't even really started looking. I just put it out there in my mind and poof, something came along fairly quickly. And within a few months, I was on to a new role that was perfect for me. Okay, another major sign that it might be time to move on is when your work performance is suffering and you start to see yourself behaving differently at work or just more irritable in general. Perhaps this went unnoticed for some time, and then you got some feedback from someone else. It could be that your coworkers are asking you if you're okay more days than not. It's an even clearer sign when you snap back at them with a really harsh, I'm fine. When we act that way, react, or behave around others in that way at work, and our work changes dramatically, it's time to pay attention. I remember a time fairly early in my career when I was working in a talent management role, and I was tasked with working with an employee with some performance issues. He was in a customer service slash sales job, and this was in the financial sector, and his performance was not up to par. He was also quite irritable with feedback, and sometimes with customers and clients, and definitely with coworkers. He'd performed fine in other roles, but was really struggling in this one. Through conversations, it was revealed that he didn't really enjoy his job, but he felt like he had to keep it because of his family. And he was basically taking his frustration about his job out on his work and his clients. Now, my employer was very good to their employees, so we decided to give him a Berkman career assessment to help see where there might be a better fit. Now, it turns out a better fit was not in the organization. Everything in his assessment pointed to him being a teacher. He then revealed that this was what he always wanted to do, but landed in financial services, and then life happened, and he felt he couldn't leave and go back to school. Wow, talk about a square peg in a round hole. And it was remarkable just knowing that this information and reinfirming that he was in the wrong role totally changed his attitude. Again, my employer was very understanding, so he wasn't forced out of anything. But over time, he made his plan, his role changed, and eventually he found a way within his family to leave, go back to school, and become a teacher. I always keep that story close by all these years later to remind me of what happens if I'm not following my passion and my strengths at work. Now, if you're feeling disengaged in your role, you're starting to miss deadlines and you're taking your frustration out on those around you, it could be time for you to have a heart-to-heart with yourself. If you land on the fact that it's the role and your work, it could be time to seek a different opportunity or like my case of my irritated financial services professional, it could be that you're in the wrong line of work altogether. There are lots of assessments that you can take to help you figure this out. Berkman Career is a good one. I highly recommend Gallup Strengths, or if you can find others online, go for it. Sometimes just thinking about what you like to do when you were younger can provide clues if you're feeling lost. Charting a new career path is a whole other topic, but it's important to your long-term health and well-being and your overall life satisfaction to figure it out. Leaving poor performance and a bad attitude at work unchecked can also land you terminated. So unless that's your plan, you don't want to ignore this feedback you're getting or your own self-awareness your gut's probably telling you that something's off when you're feeling that way or you're not performing well. So do the right thing, take some steps and figure it out. Okay, the fourth and final big sign that you might be ready to hand in your resignation letter is that you aren't getting along with your boss and you feel unsupported and unvalued. You know that saying people don't leave bad organizations, they leave bad bosses? Well, I somewhat agree, but not totally, because bad organizations with little care and concern for employees can drive more people away than bad bosses. But what I do know for sure is that the relationship anyone has at work with their direct supervisor has a huge impact on their work satisfaction. So it's not something to ignore. Now, I want to distinguish here between a quote-unquote bad boss and one you might just not know very well. If you're new to an organization and you find your HR leader unapproachable or direct with you, it might not mean that they don't support you and you should jump ship immediately. Keep in mind that you don't need to be friends with or like everybody you work with to work with them well. But in order to determine that, you need to first understand them and get to know them. Try to get to know your boss and engage with them, even if it's a little bit scary, before you write them off as a terrible boss. If they're the head of the HR department, it could be that they're under a lot of pressure, especially right now. And there's a lot of stress associated with that. So they're relying on you to get the job done and make life easier for them. It could also be that their strengths might be in execution and strategy and not in relationship building and communication. Again, that doesn't necessarily make them a bad boss, but it might make them really different than you. Try to look for common ground and common interests to help build a better relationship with them. And if they're very task and results focused, give them results. I think it's a really good idea to have a one-on-one with your boss at some point, especially when you first start, to understand what they expect from you and what you need from them. A good boss will ask you what you need from them. And if they ask and you need more feedback or confirmation on your work to help you move forward, ask for that. I know it's kind of a difficult conversation, but it's an important one. And if you're already thinking about leaving anyway, what do you have to lose? Now, I also want to clarify the difference between a boss you don't understand that you should try to work with versus someone who is clearly in it for themselves and does fit under the heading horrible boss. If you're working with someone who is making you look bad in front of others, discrediting your work Either in front of you or behind your back, taking credit for your work or otherwise trying to sabotage you, it might be time to take a different type of action. Believe it or not, leaders can also be bullies. And if you work for someone who is peaches and cream to your face, but then cuts you down to your coworkers behind your back, yeah, you might want to be thinking about making a move. Maybe the first step is accessing the process in your organization's respectful workplace policy. And maybe it's time to go. Only you can decide based on the situation and your organization. But what I can tell you from experience is that if it is that the person who is bullying you is the holder of the policy and the final step in the process, you have a bigger challenge on your hands. I always advocate for speaking up if there's a problem. Again, what do you have to lose if you're thinking of leaving anyway? But you also have to read the room. How is the person connected in the organization? And what are your possible avenues for redress? If there is someone you trust in your organization that perhaps has more experience or tenure than you, especially with that leader, have a conversation with them and see if you can see a path forward. Either way, you don't wanna stay where you are. The stress and harm that staying in a toxic work environment can cause to you, and by extension, your family, is immense. And on this topic, I do speak from direct experience. I know it is incredibly hard to take action when you're in the midst of it, but just accepting that bullying is happening and toxic is the name of the game or your department it's never a good long-term play for you. If you feel like you will not be supported or you know you won't and the work environment is completely untenable for whatever reason, start to do the legwork to make a move. Hopefully the organization will offer you an exit interview, but if not, let me tell you, there are a lot of great experiences and organizations that would love to have you join them. Don't sell yourself short by staying in a place that doesn't value you enough to protect you at work. In my case, 10 people left the department in one year and still no one took action. Trust me, that's a clear sign that you made the right move to be one of those 10. I know finances and family and mortgage payments all come into play in this decision. So sometimes you have to take baby steps to make that next move. And that's totally okay. Actually, sometimes just knowing that you're going to leave and working on your confidence, your mindset, and your network can help give you the immediate relief that you need to keep pushing forward. And when you start to feel better, it's easier to promote yourself to potential employers. And that's going to help you move on to much greener pastures very soon. Life is short, my friends, and you spend a lot of time at work. So do what you need to do in this lifetime to make the most of it. I have never regretted leaving a single employer over the course of my career. I have had leaders throw more money at me when I said I was leaving, offer me their jobs when I said I was leaving, and some who tried to shame me. But once I decided on my own and with my own analysis of where I was, there was no changing my mind. Some people might call this stubborn. I call it self-love and self-awareness. So if you're feeling dissatisfied, like you have nowhere to go, or you are underperforming or working for a bully, it might be time to go. Only you truly know the answer to this. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode of The HR Mentor. If you want to share some love my way, I always appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts or a LinkedIn recommendation. And if you aren't already a subscriber of the HR Mentor, click that button wherever you're listening to make sure you never miss a future episode. If you want to review the show summary of this episode and access some of the links I mentioned, please visit www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash episode dash 38. I also have a page of helpful free resources on my website to support your career journey. As always, I am so grateful for your time. Until we meet again, take care and bye for now.